0: Well, I've got a question for you guys. Have you ever wondered why you make bad decisions or poor choices? Anybody in that category? Sometimes I'm just like, man, I'm sick. God, like, why did you make me so dense? Um, but ever wonder um, why you make progress and it seems like it's only a matter of time before you just tear the whole thing down? That's another trap I fall in. I, I feel like I take two steps forward and 10 steps backwards at times. And so sometimes it just seems like human nature, doesn't it? That, that we go through life, relationships, and it just seems like human nature that that if everything's all right, that we can't be okay, right? That there's got to be a problem. There's got to be conflict. Like, this is something broken on the inside of this. I don't know if I'm the only one that feels that way. Um, and so when we look at these things, at some point, at some time, We've gotta to begin to do something about it. We've gotta to begin to address that because even though it seems like human nature, it seems like we were created this way, I want you to know that God's got something better for us, that God doesn't want you to fail and fail and to fail, to make bad decisions. And when we get stuck in that trap, we get caught in a line. and God does have something different for our lives. Tonight's message, I've titled it this, uh, The Motive Behind the Madness, because that's what it is. It's madness that, that we fall into the same trap and we do the same things time and time again. And so it's motive behind the madness, and there's something driving Those unhealthy choices, those unhealthy decisions, there's a motivation behind it. And we want to talk about that motivation tonight. We want to talk about how to address it and how to get it in alignment with God so that we can change the direction in the course of our lives. And so again, there's something driving our unhealthy decisions and choices. And we're going to focus on discovering what those motives are, learning how to fulfill our desires In a healthy way, learning how to please God with the things that we do and the things that we say and just putting our lives in alignment with what he has for us. And so sometimes, I get it, man, it just seems like that everything will be going great and we burn our lives down and we're left standing there with a gas can and a book of matches wondering how we got there. And I don't know about you, but I get tired of it. I get tired of walking through that time and time again. And I want you to know that you don't have to, that that we can break those cycles, we can break those chains, and we can find the freedom that God has for us. Tonight, as we start, I wanna share with you from Galatians chapter five. And in Galatians here, we get a picture of what the driving force is behind all this. And it's gonna be a little familiar to many of you if you've been in church for any amount of time. Um, but Galatians, it was written by the apostle Paul. And this was a guy who, who was one of those people, man. He, he persecuted Christians. He persecuted Christ. And he got trapped in this, this cycle, but he broke free. He becomes somebody new. And so Galatians 5, um, verses 19 and 21, it says this, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature the results are very clear. I want to stop right there. If you're unchurched and you're wondering what sinful nature is, um, as far as believers, we believe that that's our our flesh desire um, to, to do things that go against God's will. And so anytime we see the word sin or sinful, it's something that goes against the plan and the purpose of God. And so again, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And so when we give in to those things that are not of God, and when we seek to satisfy ourselves in a way that's outside of God's plan, that these are the results. And, and if you've journeyed for any amount of time, you know this, that when you give in to these things, it, it disrupts your life. That that there's consequences to that. That you may make it a week, a month. Ten years, but at some point, at some time, giving into your sinful nature in this way and allowing these things to take hold, they come with extreme consequences, and it, it causes chaos in our lives, and it begins to destroy what God has for us. And so it goes on, he says, um, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so not only will you not inherit what God has for you after this life and and, and what's next, but but you won't inherit what God has for you now. That, That if we get trapped in this mindset, if we give into these things on a regular basis, it keeps us from God's plan. It keeps us from God's purpose. It keeps you from having the marriage that you would wanna have. That if you're in here and you're like, I want to be married or I want a better relationship, that, that if we give into this, that, that's the thing that creates that issue, that creates that rift. And we, we, us and our partner, have to bring those things into alignment with God so we can experience what he has for us. Our finances will never be right when we're giving into this. Our relationship with our children won't quite add up when we're giving into these things. You name it, it's knocked off a of course when we're giving into these things time and time again. And again, it's so hard in the middle of it to, to recognize and to realize the consequences of what's going on because we become blinded to it. And so anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so we, we get that, right? We've all experienced consequences at some point. And so we get that, we do, because a lot of us have walked that out at some point. Like I get that that lust is not good for me as a man. And I know that if I give into that, that it will destroy my marriage. I get that. I get that wild parties, man. They take me to a place that I don't wanna be. And they, they make me a person that I don't like. I get that. But, but what do we do about it? How, how do we address these things? How do we address these things? And so more often than not, we know what we're doing isn't good, right? Like I don't need to, to get up here and to point at all your indiscretions in life and say, sinner, sinner, sinner. We don't, we don't need that because we recognize that, that these things aren't okay in our lives. That, that's not the issue. And the issue isn't that we go through life and we just think, man, all these things that we do wrong are great. I, I never think that screaming and cussing at my wife is a good thing. But sometimes I fall into that pitfall, that trap. And I do that. I never walk away from mistreating my children and think that it's a good thing. But I I find myself back there. Why is it? Why is it we make those decisions? Why is it we do those things that we know to be wrong, that we know to be unhealthy, that we know to be detrimental to everything that God's given us? Why do we pick up the gas can? Why do we pick up the matches? And why do we burn it down time and time again? And we're left with regret and guilt and shame in dealing with that. Why do we do that? And so more often than not, again, we know what we're doing isn't right. But when we spend all of our time and our energy addressing these outward expressions, because that's what that is. Lust is an outward expression of something that's not right on the inside. And if we just address that, we've missed the root, the the cause of the problem, what's on the inside. Wild parties, I mean, if we just address that and we we don't address the reason that we wanna go do those things, whether it's gambling, addiction, language, whatever it is, if that's what we're addressing, man, that's a symptom of something that's rooted deep in our lives, something that's on the inside, and we have to begin to address those things. What's on the underneath? What's below the surface? I could never get free from addiction treating my addiction. There were things jacked up in my heart. There were lies that I'd been bought into. There was, there was things in my mind that I believed, and they weren't true, and it wasn't until I addressed that that things came into alignment, that I was able to get past it. I could never love people the way I needed to again until I learned that God loved me. We have to get below the surface and begin to address those things. And so until we do, it's like putting lipstick on a pig. And you can put lipstick on it all day long, man, but it's never gonna be more than a pig. It's like putting Band-Aid on a bullet wound. You're still bleeding out. There's still something going on. We've gotta get below that. We've gotta really deal with what's going on. Otherwise, we're going to get trapped and we're going to get trapped. And that's madness, doing the same thing over and over, addressing our issues in the same way over and over. That's madness. That's insanity. And we've got to recognize that. And we've got to begin to address the things in our lives differently and get at the surface or get below the surface, get at the root of what's going on in our lives. And so we struggle in those changes because we deal with the symptoms instead of the underlying root cause. And so you may be asking, well, what's, what's the root? And what, what's, what's below? I'm glad you asked. And so at the root, we're trying to, this is what we are doing. At the root, we're trying to bring about God's plan and God's purpose our own way. That, that's the problem. We're trying to bring about God's plan and God's purpose our own way. God created us with passions and desires that drive us in a way that's unique to humanity. That, that God's gifted us with that. A problem arises, though, when we try to meet those needs outside of God. That, that's what happens. That, that oftentimes the, the, the root need that we're trying to fulfill, the thing that we're trying to seek, that the hole we're trying to fill, that, that at, its, at its core is something that God created in our lives. But when we get off track, when, when we get skewed, In our thanking, we begin to try to to address these things that God may, may have placed in our lives. Not the problems, but the desires. And we try to meet those things our own way. An example of this is sex. Sex is a good thing. Yeah, Pastor said that from the platform. It's a good thing. You know what's not a good thing? Sex our own way. Outside of marriage, outside of relationships. When we begin to do that in an unhealthy manner. But when we bring it into alignment with God, it's drastically different. It's drastically different. It's a beautiful thing done God's way. Done man's way, it's detrimental. It leaves people broken. It leaves people a wreck. It it ravages our society and our children when we try to do it God's way because we've taken something that's beautiful. We've taken something that's from God. We get hurt, we get wounded and we try to address that our way. And that's the root of the problem. That's the root of the problem. Comfort is a good thing. It's good to be comforted. But when we seek to be comforted by drugs, by alcohol, and codependent relationships, and we seek comfort that way, we've taken a desire, something that God's given us. God's made us for relationship. God's made us to seek him for comfort and to find rest in his shadow. But when we begin to address those things our way, then we've messed up. Our motives are wrong. The desire may be at its core is good, but we can't fulfill Those things on our own strength and with our own tools and our own resources. And so attempting to meet God-given needs and desires outside of God leads to a life that is unfulfilled and out of control. Again, attempting to meet God-given needs and desires outside of God leads us to a life that's unfulfilled and out of control. And so we have to get at the the root of what's going on and and to realize that, that these things that we're seeking if we're doing it in an unhealthy way, how do we begin to address that God's way? How do we begin to meet that need in a way that, that lines up with God's word and God's plan and God's purpose? Continuing in Galatians, Galatians 5, it says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. And so giving into your sinful nature produces all of that, like you won't inherit the kingdom of God, this is unhealthy, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. There is no law against these things. And so when we meet our needs and bring them into alignment with God, the fruit of that is different. It's not chaotic, it's not detrimental. It's love, it's joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self control. That, that we've got to begin to meet our needs in a way that, that's fulfilling God's plan and God's purpose. When we do it our way, it's chaotic, it brings about depression. It wrecks relationships. It creates a rift and distance between us and God. When we do it God's way, the results are clear. There's love, there's joy, there's peace. There's something where God brings it into harmony, where we can experience life in in, in his way. And and, and it's better. Sex God's way is better. Dealing with our money God's way is better. Seeking comfort God's way is better. But we have to realize that, that these needs... They cannot be met our way. We can't fill a God-sized hole ourselves. We, we never be able to accomplish that. It leaves us wanting. It leaves us unfulfilled. It leaves everything in our life chaotic. Galatians 5:24 through25 says this: "Those who belong to Christ, those who belong to Christ. And so we can do it our way, or we can come into alignment with God, and those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature. To his cross and crucified them there. When you do that, those desires, the desire to fulfill those needs and those passions our way, they're dead. Like when we bring things in, into alignment with God, that, that you, can, you can come to a place where you no longer seek to fulfill yourself your way, that those desires can be dead. And so nailed to a cross and crucify them there. Since we are living, By the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So again, our sinful nature is a result of us trying to fill a God-sized hole in our life with something other than God. And anytime we do that, again, it brings about chaos in our lives. It's unfulfilling and it's detrimental to everything. And as we recognize this, As we recognize what we're doing and we get at the the underlying or the root cause of our problem, when we do that and when we address that, when we submit it to Jesus, he helps us to address those things and to put them to death. Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the result of your salvation. And I want to address that. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. What you do, that's not how you're saved. Like like you submit to God, that's a gift. Salvation is a gift. But as a result of that, that, that our faith should produce works. And so, dear friends, you've always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Don't work hard to earn it. That's not what he's talking about. But as a result of, of coming into a relationship with Jesus, as a result of, of submitting to him, God gives us the power to change, and we should work hard to show the results of what's taken place on the inside. And so he continues: obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you. God is working in you, giving you the desire, say desire. The desire and the power, say power, Power. to do what pleases him. That as we begin to submit to God, that what seems impossible, it seemed impossible for me for years to get sober. That that was something that was unfathomable. But as I began to walk this out and begin to do this, he gave me the desire to change, but God's a good God. He equipped me for that too, and he gave me the power to change. And so with my marriage, that when I submit that to Christ, There's things that that I would do as a broken man that that wouldn't be right. But when I submit that to God, he gives me the desire to be a good husband, and he gives me the power to walk it out and to do so. And so whatever your thing is, whatever your situation is, again, when you walk that out, when you submit to Christ, when you come into relationship with him, which is what this is all about, there's something that takes place on the inside. And then you begin to work to show those results, to get them on the outside. And because God is faithful, he gives you the desire and the power to begin to change those things in your life. Because he he's for you. He's for you. God, God does not desire us to be in broken relationships forever. God does not desire us to struggle day in and day out with, with, with our lives, with sobriety, with, with, with relationships, with, with depression. That's not God's plan. God, God wants us to be able to experience something better. And he gives us the desire and the power to work it out. And so we have to work hard to have our outward appearance reflect that inward change. That when you come into relationship, you're a new creation, a new creature. You've been made new on the inside. And then it's work and effort to begin to show the results out here. But God journeys with you. God walks with you to show the results of what's taken place inside here. And so tonight... Tonight, I want to look at three things to help us address those motives behind the madness. What's driving, what's pushing your decisions? Those, those things where, where you're misaligned. We're going to look at three things to begin to address that. Three things that will get at the root of the issue and allow God to be God. Newsflash, you make a lousy God. I make a lousy God. And we can never fill these holes in our lives. We have to allow Him to be God. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight. And so to get it through it, we need to do this. Point number one is humble yourselves before God. Humble yourselves before God. And and what this is, it's recognize God as an authority, as an authority. This is really difficult for me. I love to be in charge. I love it. Um, I, am I'm a natural, like leader. I know my wife, she's, you guys pray for, um, I hate to be told what to do. I hate to, to be subjected to somebody's schedule or or things like that. And, um, God, it must be some cruel joke. He brought me into ministry where day in and day out, I have to submit to people around me and I have to submit to him and it really works me over. But, but this was a big deal for me, like to come into the church and, and to recognize that I don't need to be in charge of my own life. That, that was huge for me. That was, that was such a big roadblock. But, but in order to, to get at the motives and to begin to change it, we have to recognize this, that, that we cannot be the ultimate authority. That, that you cannot be the ultimate authority in your life. That you've got to humble yourself before God and to God and submit to his plan, to his purpose, to the calling on your life, whatever it is, that yet you make a lousy God. So let God be God. Humble yourselves before God. And so I want to share with you out of James. Um, If you didn't know this, James was the half-brother of Jesus. Why um, when Jesus was alive, James did not believe his brother was the son of God. But I, I said this a couple weeks ago. How many of you know that if your brother um, predicts his death and resurrection and says he's the son of God, and then he pulls it off, that, man, you're going to change your opinion of him real quick. And so um, after Jesus did those things and was walking around and, and revealed himself to James, um, after James you know, like knew him to be dead, um, James kind of changed his tune and said, oh, all right, like, you, obviously you are the son of God. And so James, he, he led the, the church in Jerusalem. And so um, he led Jewish converts. That was who he ministered to primarily. And so James, in verses four through six, he says this, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy to God? I say it again, if you wanna be a friend to the world, you make yourself an enemy to God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate and that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. Say to him. And he gives grace generously. Say generously. We've got a generous God. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so God gets this about us that that on our own, man, we make lots of mistakes, that we're not going to get it all all right. And the great thing is that that's not a precursor to him saving us. That's not a precursor to him wanting to work in our lives or even being able to work in our lives, that, that you don't have to get it all together. That's not how God works. God works this way. When we realize that we don't have all the answers and we humble ourselves to him and allow God to be an authority in our lives and to be in charge, and we humble ourselves. When we're proud, we're in opposition to God. When I came into the church and I thought that I made a better God than God did in my life, and any time we dismiss him or dismiss what he's calling us to do, that's the statement you're making. That's the position you've taken. You've said, I'm better at you than this, God. Like, like, I know that you want me to do this in my relationship, but pff, hold on, I know better than you. Have you ever thought about that? That that's the position we take when, when we know what he's wanting us to do, when we read it and we dismiss him as an authority over it. And say, I'll do this here, I like that. And man, this, this is good here, but this, this is dated. Surely this, is, this wasn't written for today. And anytime we've done that, We have failed to humble ourselves before God. We've taken a road of of pride and arrogance. We've put ourselves in opposition to God and we've fallen into that trap of we're gonna try to fulfill that need, that desire our way, that we're gonna ignore God's plan and God's purpose and we're gonna do it our way. And anytime we do that, we've given in to sinful nature and anytime we give in to sinful nature, you're not gonna inherit God's kingdom on that side, and you're not going to experience the life he has for you in this. And so if we want to get at the root, we have to recognize that, and we have to begin to humble ourselves before God. And James continues in verse 7 and 8, he says this, so humble yourselves. Say humble yourselves. So humble yourselves before God. Resist, say resist. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And I won't get into that because we talked about it last week, but if you want to, that, that's addressing that double mindedness. If you missed last week's message, check that out because it's all about bringing our, our thought life in, into alignment with what God wants us to do. But when we humble ourselves before God, when we do that and we resist, Those things, those desires, again, it's it's in tandem with God. We've humbled ourselves before God, and then we resist these things over here that the enemy begins to flee, that change begins to take place, because God gives us the desire and the power to change. But when you address those things in your life, and you still think that you're God, and maybe you come to church on Sunday, you read your Bible a little bit, and you cherry pick some things here and there, and you don't fully submit, guess who's not fleeing? He's holding on. And, and you're stuck and you're in a cycle and you're in a cycle. And the madness continues and the madness continues because you said, all of these things are great, God, but this, not so much. I'm going to be Lord of that. I'm going to take, take charge here. God, you can, you can address these things. I really want to be prosperous here and I want you to bless me here, but I'm not going to submit this. This is mine. And when we've done that, we've failed to humble ourselves and we've put ourselves in a, a, opposition to God And God's not able to move in our lives because, not because he doesn't want to, because we won't allow him. But when we do, we have the the power and we have the desire to change and God begins to move and allow those things to take place. And so again, James says, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. And so sometimes, sometimes we recognize God as the authority And sometimes we only do it halfway. We recognize his position, but question his motives. Anybody in here ever question God's motives? It's all right. It's okay to raise your hand and be honest in church. We can do that. Um, I've questioned God's motives. Um, So, to get at the root, we need to do this. Point number two trust God to be God of all. Trust God to be God of all. You don't have to figure it all out. Thinking that you do is an issue because God is God. He's got the answers. It's not for us to know everything. It's not. And uh, again, uh, I struggle with a lot of things. Arrogance is a big thing for me. Um, as you guys are probably coming to find out, I have a lot of issues. Uh, <laughs> but I, I struggled with the fact that I couldn't answer every question, that there was things that, that didn't make sense to me, that I, just, I couldn't figure it out. And You know why it was such a big struggle? Because it put me at this position where I struggled to trust God. It was like, thank God if I do this, are you really going to, like, Help me. Are you really gonna be there for me? I mean, if I give, if I make these sacrifices, God, are you really gonna do this? And And I'm trusting God's motives, or I'm not trusting God's motives. I'm questioning them, and I'm questioning His position. And at times, I still do that very thing. I still do that, and I just question, God, are you are you really gonna be good here? Are you really gonna be faithful? I know you've been faithful every other time, and every other time you've been there for me, but. Man, this one time you're probably gonna fail me, and so I'm gonna hold on to that. I get your God, man, you're a great authority, all that, but you just this thing right here, I better take care of it. I better handle this so you don't mess it up. So you don't mess it up. And but when we do that again, we've fallen into this trap. There's this madness. It's madness because this is what I know to be true when I really look at it. Every single time I take charge of something and do it my way, I burn it down. I, burn, I am like a bull in a china shop when it comes to my life. And when I do life my way, it is a wreck. When I do relationships my way, it is a wreck. When I do finances my way, it is a wreck. Everything's a wreck. But I still fall into that trap of madness. And I say, God, you can be Lord of everything but this. And we fall into that trap. And so to get at the root, we have to trust God to be gone at of all, And so we go around, we do this, and, and we attribute things to him and say, man, that was probably God's fault there. And we fall the trap. Anybody ever do that? Like, think that God punished them? I want you to know, if you become a Christian, God's not punishing you on this side. Like, any bad thing that's happened, that didn't come from God, that comes from us. You guys ever heard the phrase, um, everything happens for a reason? You ever heard that? Everything does happen for a reason. Sometimes it's because you're stupid and you make bad decisions. So stop blaming God. You know what the problem was? You didn't allow God to be God at all. You held on to this. It failed. You burned it down and you pointed at God and said, God, this is your fault. I'm never trusting you again. This is why I was going to hold on to it in the first place. And so we do that, but we've got to let God be God of all and recognize that Oftentimes, it's our own stupidity that stands in the way. And I'm not preaching at you anymore. I mean, any less, I'm preaching at myself on that one. I do the same thing. I do the same thing, but it's madness. And we do it over and over and over. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 says this. Trust in the Lord. Say, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord, in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will In all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. We're not very smart. None of us are. And if we could figure it all out, what would we need God for? If it could all be explained, if God could be explained, what kind of God would that be? We've got to trust him with everything, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, say instead. instead. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength of your bones. Proverbs, this Proverbs um, was actually written by King Solomon. And so if you guys know, know your Bible, know your Bible story, King Solomon was, was King David's son. When he came into leadership, he prayed for wisdom and God was generous in that, and he gave Solomon wisdom. King Solomon was considered to be the wisest person who ever lived, essentially. I mean, he, I mean, he was attributed with a lot. And so here's a guy who God said, I'm going to make you the wisest. And he wrote this, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Here's a guy who accomplished great things, was, was a leader over Israel, a great nation. He, he had huge accomplishments. Huge accomplishment. I can barely pay my bills, and I think I'm wise. Here's a guy who did great things, and he's saying, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. I'm not impressed with mine. Seek after God with everything. Trust in him. I mean, he'll make your path clear. He'll help you. And so again, point number two, trust God to be God of all. Galatians 2.20 says this, my old self has been crucified with Christ. And so again, when we've come into a relationship, when you've made that decision, and if you're in here and you haven't, I just want you to know this is, what to avail, this is what is available for us. This is the opportunity we have for change. When we submit to God, when we submit to Christ, he'll begin to deal with these things. But he says, my old self has been crucified. That's when we come into relationship with Jesus. Those things are dead. Um, it's no longer I who live but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God. Why? Who loved me and gave himself for me. That we need to trust God to be God of all because first off, he knows. He knows what we need. He knows what's best for us. But not only that, he set forth this plan to save each and every one of us. And so as a result of that, The result of that inward change, we need to trust God to be God of all, to be Lord of everything. And so my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I give, I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me And gave himself for me. And so again, point number two was trust God to be God of all. And so moving on to point number three, to get at the root, we need to confront your motives daily. Confront your motives daily. Some weeks I've got it together. And like I'm I'm on it. You guys ever feel like you're on it? Like, man, you're just firing on all cylinders and all. sometimes I'm a V8 and I've got like three things hitting, man. And it's just, it's a wreck. It's a miss. And, and, and I don't have it all together. And so one thing I have to do is I've got to check myself every day. Why am I doing this? Um, and, and it could be all sorts of things. Take this for instance. I came into ministry because God did something great in my life. And I wanted other people to experience that. If I'm not really careful, sometimes... My flesh, my desire is to get up here so people will think I'm great. And I'm not, I just want you to know that I'm not great. But, but if I don't keep that in check daily, if I don't address the things I'm doing and the reason I'm doing it every day, I may find myself 10 miles off course before I know it. And so we've got to address those things every day. We've got to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, are you still doing this because God did that? Or are you trying to fill a God-sized hole in your life your way? Are, are, are you doing this because God was faithful? God gave his son to save you. Is that still your motive? Or is your motive to, to satisfy your sinful desire in your flesh? And so we have to check those things daily. Because the enemy will slip in lies and lies and deceive and deceive. And, and we fall for it time and time again. Again, it goes back to don't trust your own wisdom. Allow God to evaluate your life, evaluate your motives every day. And so um, Luke 9:23 says this, then he, this is Jesus. He said, then he said to the crowd, "If anyone or if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, say own way, own way. and take up your cross daily, say daily, daily, and follow me." And so it's interesting that Jesus was addressing people disciples who would personally know him and walk with him and see him in the flesh. And he said, if you want to be my follower, then you've got, to, you've got to take up your cross, like give up your own way, submit your will to me, do it my way. But it's not just a one-time decision. Even Jesus addressed this, that it's daily. Daily we have to say, this is why I'm still doing this. This, this is still my motivation. This is, what, this is what's driving me. And in order to to step away from the madness and to bring our lives into alignment, every single time our motive has to be, because God did this, I'm doing this. It can never be, this is for me. I can never get up here for me, I'll fail. I'm not good enough. I can't be good enough outside of him. My motives for this would be all wrong. I could never step up here for me every day. I have to address why I'm doing this. And I said, God, this is for you. That I'm gonna step up here to serve you. I'm gonna love my wife in a way that pleases you because of what you've done. I'm gonna, I'm gonna treat my children in a way that honors you because of what you've done. I'm gonna be good with my finances because of what you've done. Like every decision that if I want to bring it in alignment with God, that I've got to submit it to that test. Why am I doing this? What is my motivation here? And it needs to be because God was faithful, because God took this sinner and he saved me in the middle of of everything when I was messing up and he lifted me up and he did these things. And as a result of that... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live to serve him. I'm going to make him Lord. I'm going to allow him to be an authority. I'm going to trust him in every area, in every avenue, and I'm going to address my motives every single day to make sure that I'm still pleasing him and serving him and not seeking to please myself or to serve myself. And so again, point number three, confront your motives daily. Romans 6, 16 through 18 says, don't you realize That you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey. If you want to give in to your desires, they will rule your life. They will rule your life. If you want to submit your life to Christ, he can rule it. And I want to tell you, he does a much better job than we do. And so you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now, say now. Now Now you are free from your slavery to sin. That when we make that choice, there's freedom in it. You don't have to be stuck in it. Now you are free from your slavery sin and you've become slaves to righteous living. To righteous living. The bondage I'm in today is one that I choose daily, where I choose daily to serve Christ. And it is much better than the bondage I was in for almost two decades. That this life, the fruit of this life is much better than the fruit of me trying to fulfill my needs my way and to do things my way. And so we have to address the things in our lives and submit them to God. And so to recap, point number one was this. Humble yourselves before God. To get at the root motivation of our lives, we have to begin to humble ourselves before God. Number two, trust God to be God of all. Stop holding on to things and trust him to be an authority in your lives and to do the right thing. God's faithful. God's good. And number three, confront your motives daily. Confront your motives daily. This is a daily process. This is a daily walk. If you ever get content, you will fall. You will fail. And we have to, we have to address these things every single day and, be, and make sure that we're still heading in the right direction. A few action steps we have for you guys. Number one, identify the needs you're attempting to meet when you make decisions you regret. Like, when you blow it, What were you trying to do? And that can be really difficult to look yourself in the mirror and to come up with an honest answer. But if you want to get free of this, again, you need to identify the needs you're attempting to meet when you make a decision you regret. And then number two, write out the ways that God desires to meet those needs in your life. Again, there's things in our lives that we do wrong because we're doing it our way that in and of itself isn't bad. But so we have to begin to address those things God's way. And number three, allow God to work in those areas by laying down your will and pursuing his. Let God be God. Do it his way. And so everything we've talked about tonight, all of this, it starts with a decision. It's a simple decision, but it's the best, the most impactful thing. And so it starts with giving your life to Christ. And so if you're in here tonight, what we've talked about will always be out of reach until you've allowed Jesus to be Lord of your life. And so that is the biggest and best decision you could make. And so if you're in here tonight, it starts with this, realizing that you can't do it on your own, that you can't save yourself and believing that he can and believing that, that Jesus was the son of God and that he, he died, he sacrificed himself to save you and was resurrected three days later. And then by making him Lord of your life, what that means is allow God to be God. Again, you make a lousy God, allow Jesus to do it. Allow him to be Lord of everything. And so if you're in here, it starts with that, with that decision. If you've made that decision before but you pick things back up, you stop trusting God, you walked away from him and you started doing it your way and you started burning everything down again, it's not too late to come back. We serve a God of second chances, third chances, whatever you need, it's never too late to come back. And so here at the end of service, we'll have our chip prayers and huggers up front and you can come up here. We would love to pray with you and for you, either to give your life to Jesus for the first time or to recommit. And then if you're in here and God's just been pressing on you, poking at you. The Holy Spirit's brought something to your mind, and you realize that you need to set that down tonight, that you need to lay it down. It could be a, an issue like an addiction, a problem. It could just be something that, that you've tried to have control over maybe your relationship, your job, your finances, and you just haven't allowed Him to be the authority there. I want to encourage you to come pick up a white chip and you can write down today's date. You can write down what it is, but it's just a reminder that God, I've given this to you, that, that I've laid it at the foot of the cross, that I'm, I'm allowing God to be God in this area of my life too. And then lastly, if you just need prayer, we're for you and we would love to pray with you, uh, for you, to celebrate with you, to take things to God. And so if you just need prayer tonight, And that's all you need. That's all you want. That's all you're willing to do. We would love to to be that with you and for you and just pray for you. And so for any of those things, to give your life to Christ for the first time, to recommit, to to pick up a chip so that you you can signify that you've laid something down or just to receive prayer tonight, we encourage you to come up front. You guys could do this right now. If you could stand to your feet as we close in worship.